What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Jump Street Podcast. Billy, I said it before, I'll say it again. I love the hat. Thank you. <laughs> What's up, Billy? How's it going? Welcome to the show, everybody. Good. How are you? How's everything going? Long time no see. I know. It seems that way, right? Yeah, it does. But good to be back. Uh, this is not a traditional episode. This is one of our side pieces, if you will. I'm not sure what we call these, but this is our non-guest episode. Oh, so Channel 11. That's right. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> So very excited to have this channel 11 going. Um, yeah, if you don't already, I'm going to do my spiel. Please follow us on all of our social media platforms. We have a Facebook. You can go there, give us a like. You can go to our YouTube page. You can hit the subscribe button and the notification bell if you like what you're hearing. Leave a comment. All that stuff really helps. We have an iTunes. If you want to listen to us on iTunes, you can give us a five-star rating and a review. Obviously, we have an Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram if you like. And we also have a Patreon. If you would like to be a member of our Patreon community, it is $3 a month. We do inside outs. We do trick tips. We have, you get to ask our guests a question before they're on the show. So you get like priority for that. And every month we do a uh, giveaway from for something from our online shop. You could win a five panel hat. You could win a shirt. You could win a tank top. You could win a Jump Street mug. So um, yeah, that is my spiel for today. I want to focus on the mug. There you go. There's the mug. Um, I want to give a shout out to our new Patreon supporters this week. We have Greg Eisenman, Beauty Without Cruelty, Ryder L, Jonathan Bird, and Dustin Wynn. Thank you all for supporting the show. And we have to do our monthly supporter giveaway because it is June now. I had to think about what month it actually was. So here's everyone's name. That is our current Patreon supporter. I'm going to spin the wheel to see who wins whatever they want from our online store. And the winner is... Da, 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 da. Come on. Freddie Flan. I like when it's a name that I can't pronounce. Freddie Flan. Thank you so much, Freddie, for supporting. And we'll reach out to you so you can get one of whatever you want from our online store. And if you just want to support us in any way, um, check out our online store anyway. We got a bunch of cool shirts and hats. I don't know why this isn't popping up. Here we go. Shirts, hats, mugs, whatever you want. New gear for the summer. Check it out. Jumpstreetpodcast.com slash store. Thank you all for supporting us on Patreon. And one last thing. What, yes, I'm Billy? No. No, oh, <laughs> I thought you were about to say something. Um, no. We have a WTF this week, which uh, I forgot to show you before we started the show, Billy. But our WTF this week is brought to us by Patreon supporter, Mr. John Julio. And it is of Alejandro Figueroa. I try to pronounce that the best I could right here. I don't know if you saw this, Billy. This is a little wild. A total over... A highway of some sort with like no boundaries it looks like a foot or two feet wide um i thought this was pretty wild and he, he messes around has a little fun with it too over here just going back and forth he has like a little switch up what do you call this the brucey that the double cross heel thing well did he do a crossed i i think or it's crossed he... i was trying to like zoom in to see it looks like it's crossed like he switches it up into it Okay, I'm going to look at again. It just looked like two back heels, but let me see. Yeah, we'll, we'll check it out again. But is that what you – I feel like that's what you called that before because Dominic Bruce does that a lot. Yeah, he does it with, like, the, leg, the legs crossed, though. Yeah, I think that's crossed. Oh, wow. That's pretty sick, man. I don't know. It's wild to think that, like, you could do shit like this. Like, not many people would want to do something like that, and I thought that was pretty cool and different. So yeah. Who, John Julio sent that? No, no, no. John uh, Alejandro Figueroa is the person's name. So uh, No, but who, who, who submitted the... I don't know. The... No, I, I just found that, but 
that's just our monthly supporter who um, the WTF is brought to us by. So I picked one of our by top mi- tier by, supporters. By it's Mr. Julio. It's, it, oh, it's by John Julio. Yes. So okay. So John Julio is supporting okay. something. Is supporting the show. And yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. That's a little yeah, that's wild cool. right there. That's a little wild right there. It's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Very cool. That is uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, we have a nice, fun topic to talk about with today's show. I think it's something that's been mentioned before, but no one's ever like openly spoken about it. And you know, a lot of official sports music has it too. Hall of Fames. There is no official rollerblading Hall of Fame. Some say there should be. Who would be in charge of that? I have no idea. But everyone has an opinion about who they would be in, in their rollerblading Hall of Fame. So me and Billy are going to talk a little bit about who would be in our rollerblading Hall of Fames. Isn't that right, Billy? Yeah, that's right. I, I think there there should be, a, whether it be a physical place or like a, a place just like online where it's like acknowledged. But yeah, I think we've gotten to the point in rollerblading history where we have enough history where we can... We can do a Hall of Fame. We have, you know, 30 years of uh, rollerblading behind us, and it would be cool to start kind of carving that out, you know, carving that space out. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that today and having a chat about who we think. It's, you know, this is obviously biased in our opinions, but I'm I'm looking forward to getting into it, uh, just having this chat. So why don't you do us a favor and, and, and kick us off? Okay. I don't mind doing that at all one bit. My... And again, these are like no particular order or anything like that, but I'm going to kick it off with a classic. My first pick would be Arlo Eisenberg. Um, There's not much that needs to be like debated or anything about it, but I put him in my list. He's done many things for skating. He started, first of all, he started Senate with uh, Brooke Howard Smith and Mark Heineken, which was, if you grew up skating in the 90s, that was like everything about skating right there was Senate. Everything from the image to you know, what they stood for and his marketing with that, it really put skating in the mainstream in the nineties or helped do that anyway with his, uh, destroy all girls on the tag and everything and bringing it to, you know, the news like CNN and everything caught wind of that, which was pretty cool for rollerblading back in the day. I think it helped kickstart skating into the mainstream in the nineties. Um, but you know, he's a pioneer of our sport and was part of hoax too, which was probably the most legendary video from the nineties. Um, if you were at the Spring Cup, actually, we didn't get to talk about this, but you've had the Spring Cup. They did the Hoax 2 reunion, which was pretty cool. I watched the online stream about it. So if you haven't seen that, check that out, too. It's pretty cool to see everybody got together, um, except for Brian Smith. I was a little disappointed in that, but I understand he's a busy guy, and it's hard to get everyone together. But it was really cool seeing everybody there together. But, yes, Arlo was a part of that. Um, he was represented in the X Games. I know he was a big part of the X Games as well, like representing rollerblading in X Games when it was there. So, like I said, this is a lot of things that – really brought skating to the limelight in the 90s and kind of kick-started rollerblading to what it did become and what it is now. Um, also on my my list, I have, he did the Eisenberg Skate Park for 15 years and hosted the Hoedown for that time as well, which was huge for the <clears throat> years that Hoedown was a part of it. If you were part of skating during that time, it was like the Blading Cup, the Winter Clash. We had the Hoedown at his skate park. Right. His family had Eisenbergs in um, in Texas. So that was huge as well. Um, he did a lot of things that contributed to the sport in the nineties. And, um, even though he doesn't skate too much now, once in a while, you'll see him at like the blading cup and stuff, skating the boxes, which is still cool to see. <clears throat> he was a major contributor to why skating is where it is today. 
Yeah, that, that's really good and well said. And uh, as Chris Edwards acknowledged, he was one of the first person to put like the skateboard wheels in the middle yeah, and yeah. introduce the idea of mini wheels. <clears throat> because like before now, we're like, they had like the people just getting flat and they have the hard mini wheels. Like back in the day, they were like the big soft wheels mm-hmm. and people couldn't like really do a lot of the things that they were doing. Now you had to introduce mini wheels to like kind of bring the, a lot of those groove tricks forward. Uh, especially on certain obstacles. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I completely agree with that assessment. That was good. And uh, Arlo obviously was like in the first video I've, I've ever seen, which was Hoax 2, and he had such a massive personality. I saw him on MTV back in the day, just like that guy. He was like the quintessential, the perfect blend at the time of like the skill of a skater and the personality that could bring it to the masses and just that coming together. So, uh, yeah, that's a good choice. I think also, um, just ad-libbing right here, I think he was one of the first, this could be debatable also, but he was one of the first skaters to actually like have or like display style in skating, I think, with his his type of skating. I, I, that's my personal opinion, I guess. I've heard other people say too, but in the 90s, it was kind of hard to have style. Everyone was just kind of throwing themselves at rails or ledges with whatever skates they had. And I feel like Arlo was one of the first people to actually put some thought into it and try to make it look good or a specific way, which is, you know, what we all strive for in skating nowadays. So that that was uh, one of the first people to do that, in my opinion. <clears throat> it's hard to say he was one of the first person to introduce style because, you know, style is like pretty subjective. And yes. <clears throat> What Chris Edwards was doing was definitely a certain style, like do you know what I mean? But I yeah. think he was he was the kind of one of the first to kind of consciously come forth with an idea of like what a refined style could look like. So I, I know exactly. what you're saying. You're saying it a little it, better than I am, but yes. No, I, I know what you're saying, but like um, definitely like what Edwards and even AJ Jackson were doing, like flailing out like off lawn tramps. That, that was like a particular style. But I think what he did was he brought, he brought more of like a refined style, like yep. uh, to it. Yeah. That's what I'm Sorry. trying to say. Yeah. You, you were sometimes better than me. So <laughs> Glad you got it there. <laughs> who's on your list, Billy? Uh, I got a few on my list, but where should I start? Who should I start with? I mean, you started with like from a good era, but I think, um, we can mix it up. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I want to mix it up. I want to bring it to Montre. Okay. Like for me, like Montre should be. Um, <clears throat> it's it's always hard to put it on, uh, like a top five or a top ten because there are so many talented people in like the rollerblading uh, community and like the history of rollerblading. But sometimes I hear like the top three. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm like a little sick right now. <clears throat> Sometimes I hear like the top three list, the top five, and I don't see like Montre's name as much as I think it should be out there. Mm-hmm. He is like the holder of some of like the biggest hammers. He's been ripping like the hardest tricks for the longest time. And like just like the ability of like how long he's been able to be good. If you look at like the the say word video, say word one, say word two, say word three, like that whole series, he has like whole videos that are like sections of him pretty much. Like he has one of those videos, I think it's say word two. There's like three Montre sections and there's like over a hundred tricks. But yeah, it's like the biggest gaps, like the best tricks. Like he's been like one of the most winningest contest guys forever for like a, for a very long time. And I remember like 
seeing him when he was a young buck and kind of coming up and then how long he's just been able to be that guy. So yeah, I, I definitely got to put Montre in the rollerblading hall of fame. Montre definitely deserves a place in the rollerblading hall of fame and his face would look good on that plaque or whatever we have to, to show our rollerblading hall of fame right there. But Montre is also a, a great like role model too in the skate world as well. I mean, he does that contributions with the blading camp too, you know, teaching kids there. Yeah. We see that every year, um, not in Malaga, but uh, at Winter Clash, me and you specifically, because we see them doing the, the blading camp live at the skate park at Winter Clash. And he works with all the kids. Uh, he's a great role model for them. He destroys everything. Like you said, for so long, too, that Say Word 2 section is wild, insane. That might go down as like one of the best sections of all time, I would say. Um, maybe we'll do another video on that later on. But yeah, Montre, I, I couldn't agree more. He's a great role model. He's been killing it. Um, he's made his mark in the sport by far. And, you know, he even destroys it on quads, too. And bikes. Like, he's like one of those, like, superhumans. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, like, if you look at, like, you know, even, like, the Blade Life TV aspect of, like, a lot of, like, the Blade Life posts, like, certain tricks that are just, like, iconic. Mm -hmm. And, like, he has, like, so many things on there. And, like, you know, you just think about, like, the Alloop yeah. Soul 360 off the bus stop. Like, yeah. things like that, you know? And just, like, epic misties and... Yeah, he has some of the best tricks and one of the best skaters, so I got to put him on there. Yeah, and continue with iconic style, too. Like, he, his style is unmatched and so recognizable compared to almost everybody else out there. Um, that was a good pick. I like that one. Who doesn't love some mantra, you know? Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go on next, and this is one that we, I think, both have on our list, too. And I hate doing this to them, putting them in, in one category because they're individual people. But I got to right. put Sean and Colin <laughs> Kelso together um, just because... You know, they both, I feel like, are equal in what they contribute to the sport. So um, I'm going to put them together as one in this one. But, you know, they've been pushing the sport for so many years. They've had sections and videos since, like, the early 2000s. So they've been in, this, in the game for, you know, forever. Um, they have, you know, endless contributions with all the videos that they've done, all the media they put out from the truth videos that we did together, Casey Mo, all the basement stuff they did. Basement itself being, like, a you know, uh, one of the few clothing brands that we have right now, but it's just an excuse for them kind of to put out all this content that they do for us, which is great to see that. And every time they put out a video, they push the sport in a different direction. And you don't see that too much with people who have been in the sport for as long as they have, you know, a lot of people who've been skating since the nineties or early two thousands, they're kind of stuck in their ways, you know, but you know, Sean and Colin aren't scared to push boundaries, try something new. They've <clears throat> always kind of been like that, even with their clothing styles. You know, Colin spoke about it too before um, on our past podcast with him. But they are not scared to push direction in any way. It shows and it you see people try to mimic them constantly, um, you know, ever since their first sections from uh, like denial and or apprehensions or whatever videos they've had sections in the beginning. People always try to mimic their skating and it still happens to this day. So to see people for that long in it, who continue to push the sport, um, you know, they, they're trendsetters, I would say, you know, even like the slider bar <clears throat> stuff, remember the slider bar stuff back in the day? Like they, yeah. were they were trendsetters with that. Everyone had a slider bar after that. Everyone was making slider bars and putting out slider bar edits, you know, um, th that's huge. And you don't see that too often these days. No, I, I definitely, got, we def I definitely got to give it to them. I kind of feel bad for them that they have to sp share a space because they're both individual people who, yeah who both belong in the hall of fame on their, in their own right. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess we gotta, <laughs> I guess they're doomed to share a space together, Yeah. but yeah. Um, 
they've always they've kind of evolved and came a long way from like what they were doing like um first like sean i remember back in the day sean was like the guy that could like torque anything like you know and like kind of very tech and but very like known for his torque and colin was like kind of being very self-conscious or 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 very thoughtful in how he presented his skating in an era when it wasn't really being done like that you know he was kind of aware of how he came off tricks like the stay fakey thing was brought to by him. Like they had like the slider bar edits. They had like, don't sit on benches, like all these like really entertaining edits that they've been bringing for a long time. And in these later years, like the past, like two or three years, they've still been able to like, I think they've more consciously taken the role of ambassadors who can like kind of push forward new ideas. Like they've, it seems like they've consciously taken that position Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're going to start like introducing new ideas. We're going to start being playful. We've completely conquered this, these other areas. So we're going to go like in this space. And I think the cool thing, like, and especially what you bring up about fashion, they through everything, they've managed to be individual within themselves out of the two of them. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like, yeah, yeah. Like they, 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 they don't, necessarily reflect one another when they're being uh, introducing these ideas, introducing their style. Um, They're very distinct between themselves. So Sean has his own way and uh, Colin has his own way. And I think it's, um, I think that's a great choice. I mean, like, again, I think it sucks that they got to kind of share a space, but yeah. In the actual role of any hall of fame, they would each have their own separate things. But as far as this podcast goes, we're just going to speak about them together because together they have, accomplished so much in the in this world so sean and colin we love you and that's why we've had separate podcasts with you guys too because we wanted to make sure that the world knew sean for who sean was and colin for who colin was definitely um i gotta i gotta go ahead and and put aaron feinberg on that list um especially like being a skater from the 90s you know looking at like aaron feinberg he was like 16 years old like winning like x games like at like all the x games uh tour stops and um then he went on like so he was like this well-known contest like elite skater like someone who was like known to win all the events and then he went on to like make a reputation for himself in the street skating uh, department he started with stand fast <clears throat> He started with Standfast, like the first, like, I mean, he was in Hoax 3 and all that, but his first section was the Standfast section where everyone kind of took notice and they're like, oh, wow, Iron is something very different. And then it went on, he went on to obviously do the mind game things. And I think just like in terms of era and how fast he, and how much he was able to push forward the progression of rollerblading at that era in time on his own. I mean, with what he was able to contribute, I'm not saying he was the only person that was able to, that was contributing to the progress of rollerblading, but the direction and the amplitude of the hammers, I think he kind of stood alone at that time. And like I said, he was able to be a a formidable force, like one of the top forces, like in not only competition, but in kind of bringing forward that like uh, hammer style skating to rollerblading um, on the streets as well. So I got to put Aaron Feinberg on there. Like he definitely has to be, if there's a rollerblading hall of fame, he has to be in there for sure. Yeah. Aaron was on my list as well. And for obviously the same reasons that you said too, he won the X games on his 16th birthday. He wasn't just 16 when he won. He won on his 16th birthday. That was iconic. And my next pick is going to be something similar to this too, along these lines, but you know, it paved the way for the youth to kind of have idols in the sport. And when you saw someone like, Aaron Feinberg winning the X Games on TV at 16. All the other 
teenagers in the world were like, that could be me. Like I could do this too, you know? So that was like a different time because age demographic has changed a little bit, has shifted to older people, even though we do have the youth coming back into it now. Uh, it was a different time, you know, and same thing. It was very error based, like the hammers that he was doing, even though people don't do as many hammers nowadays. I would say that Aaron Farmer was the person to push hammers to the absolute limit if there even was a limit. Um, the stuff that he's done is absolutely insane and ridiculous, still unmatched 20 years later to this day. Uh, and yeah, he, he was on he was part of the like uh, mind game, which is like not like the end all be all, but like my game was one of the most iconic brands in skating, multiple pro yeah. skates for USD. You know, it was like how being on Senate back in the day was, you know, and he was on Senate too. So <laughs> who figured? Yeah, it was, it was like <laughs> the next, what it was like the next Senate, if you will, like, yes, but like exactly. in a different way, yes. like a different image and a different approach, but like the gold standard, you know, yes. it kind of became that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And um, he had the first UFS skate ever, which is pretty cool too. You know, that was more for Solomon than him. He, I think he just happened to have be there in the right time. But he had the first UFS skate. That's pretty cool to have. Yeah. Um, to think about like the, the roots of all that stuff. But Aaron Feinberg was definitely uh, a good pick. And like I said before, going along the lines of the youth, um, my next pick for my choice of the Hall of Fame uh, would be Randy Spicer. Because like I mentioned before, he was like the face of the youth in the 90s at the time when skating was huge. And he, same thing as like Aaron Feinberg, watching Aaron Feinberg skate the X Games when he was 16. Like Randy was, I don't know how old he was when he was like, I don't know, he was a teenager, like maybe in high school, barely, if anything, like 13, 14. He has sections in Video Groove, VG3. Um, and he was the relatable face, especially for Senate. I know um, there was videos on it too, that he was like kind of like the face of Senate at the time. Like this young guy from California, pro skater, um, the girls loved him, you know, like that was like the, the look of, at the time. And we need more of that now, I think. But as far as the youth goes for Randy, he's still killing it now to this day. Um, the way he skates now is insane because <laughs> he's still wild. He still throws hammers. If you go to any Blading Cup or Spring Cup, you'll see him there because he lives around the corner. <laughs> so it's convenient for him. But yep. he also he also contributed to the sport by, you know, he co-created Deshi Skates with Louis Zamora. So he had a skate brand that ended up um being taken over by usd um and second regime second regime as well yeah so you know he, he's he's done a lot for the sport and he had like the iconic crayola wheels from senate which was like probably the most iconic wheel i would say um i don't know if many people can debate that honestly they they so iconic that they got remade recently by by dead so uh you know he really made an impact in the sport and people will always remember randy roadhouse Spicer, i think <clears throat> Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a really good one. You know, Randy's been around forever. Like, uh, I think one of the things that helped uh, be a catalyst to helping skating blow up was in the 90s when they had like those younger guys coming out because there was like the Arlo and the and the Rawlinsons and the Brian Smiths that kind of got everyone's interest. But then when you saw like, you know, the Randy Spizers, like the Maddie Mans, the Corey Nelsons, and like, which I think it's fair to say that Randy was like a leader in that area that it kind of let people who were like, you know, the teenagers, the, the adolescents, you know, the 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds, like, oh, I could do this too. I could be a part of this. And he kind of was that like super confident, young, uh, super talented skater. And like you said, like, you know, like, I think if there were any girls that skated, they were like, oh. A lot of the girls that we had from New York, they were like, oh, my God, Randy's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the, he, he had that going for him as well. And, 
he just um you know was out there like winning contests contributing like and just being like such like uh being that quintessential young skater of that era in the 90s so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a good pick yeah i don't know if he was also the was he he's probably the first at least documented person to hit those bursty ledges in in paris too which i'll always remember that Royale on that big fat Bercy ledge yeah. with majestic twelves back in the day, like yeah. I don't know, ninety six or something like that. That was pretty cool. Not that it changes anything with the reasoning for it, but I just thought that was cool for, for Randy Spicer back in the day. No, that's super iconic, especially like uh, you know, a California kid being like the first to hit such an iconic spot in France, you yeah. know? So it's um yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to go with one that I think a lot of people, if they know me, if they watch the show, they're going to know that I'm going to go with. Um, I'm like, I, this was someone who influenced my skating uh, largely, but I got to give it up to to Dustin Latimer, you know, in terms of like innovations and in what we knew was possible in skating. He was like a big uh, person. He was like a big proponent in like showing what was possible. I think like it's, it's easy to imagine now, but it's hard to kind of, it's kind of hard to imagine unless you like kind of been through the errors, but in the early days, skating had like a very cut and dry way to do it, you know, like, um, grind the rail, jump the gap, uh, gap to the rail or hit the kink rail or gap off the rail. There wasn't too many things. I think DL DL was definitely one of the first to kind of start, start showing what's possible on rollerblades. You know, you don't have to, do this you could swivel around you could slide this you can and especially like in what was happening in brain fear gone and especially words words was like he was like using his hand a lot um just so many different things that like opened up the mind that still continues to like last in skating to this day like you know like i remember even seeing like the first time i was seeing like matthew ladeau like it was like oh he like kind of took some of the dl ideas and like took ran with them like took them a little further and they were like some all different kind of people who became like great influencers themselves in rollerblading who you can tell like we're taking a piece out of like latimer's book um so yeah for me i think that's kind of obvious and if people were watching the show or know me at all know i would say that but i think it's i think it's valid as well i think he definitely deserves a place in the rollerblading hall of fame he didn't do so well in contests like he wasn't known for contests. I remember like a long time ago, like in the ASAs, I was like, saw his name and he was like in like like eighth or ninth or tenth or something. And I was like, oh wow, higher. like <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't even know he skated these things because you don't associate those ASAs with DL, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think where he really got like uh, did his work and made his contribution were like on the streets and like with a lot of those ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, DL was easily on my list as well. I feel like we could do a whole episode on just DL and why he would be on this list or just stuff he's done for skating in general. But yes, like you said, um, his brain for gone and word sections, not only his sections, but he made those videos, which is equally as iconic, if not even more. Yeah, he made them with with Shane, yeah. Yeah, with Shane too. But like you could tell um, the difference that Mind Game videos took after words. Um, So you know, you could see that it, like the impact that Dustin's editing or his feedback or whatever it is made on those videos. Um, not that the manga videos were bad afterwards. They were just definitely different and it left a different vibe, you know? Um, he also, uh, 
I believe created or co-created with Shane too the Shadow Skate and like the Mook Frame and stuff like that, which was also super yep. innovative at the time. Um, I remember I was talking with Shima at Winter Clash this past year, and we were talking about like mushroom blading guys or guys like thinking outside the box. And he's like, we started naming people off. He's like, you forgot about the main one. I'm like, who? He's like, Dustin Latimer. I'm like, oh yeah, how can I forget? Like, especially with like the Mook Frames too. Like, it kind of, you know, not that many people write that freestyle type of frame nowadays, but still it contributed to the way that you skated. You could grind different things and hit different, you know, skate differently, sort of say. Um, and shadow skates are around now still. So people, you know, if you even do skate now, you know what that's about. Um, it's a very unique design and it's definitely something that Dustin came up with. Um, if you know anything about Dustin or his skating, you can see like, okay, that's why that skate is that way. Um, but yeah, he affected pretty much every pro skater now or probably every skater who knows about him. But I'm sure you could cite many pro skaters being like, yeah, Dustin was like either one of the best or one of the most influential skaters of all time. Um, and I even love to the end of his career, his accidental machine section, I think it was accidental machine section. Um, I didn't understand it at the time, but right. it was like a good way for him to go out. It was like, it told the whole story of his skating career, um, with the whole thing of like Shane calling him on the phone, like all hyped about everything and him just kind of ignoring the phone call and going out, grabbing a skate, just doing his own thing. That's kind of what that section was about. And I, that's one of my favorite sections to this day. And it's not even the most like revolutionary or craziest tricks or anything, but it just makes you feel a certain way. It helps you understand where Dustin was at the time and where a lot of other skaters went through after that too. So it wasn't even just him. He kind of paved the way for pro skaters generations after him. Yeah, um, I, I, I want to take two things out of what you're saying. One, the the shadow, the provision of like the shadow boot. Yeah, that was like, <clears throat> I think he was the perfect person to have like helped design that because he like then like took that boot and sh like was able to show what was possible like with that boot, mm -hmm. and that kind of led to like the contribution of like innovations and in skating ideas. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's. Uh, that's a massive one. And um, damn it, I lost the second one. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you, you could tell like the shadow skate is like, he went somewhere different. That's not a normal skate, right. like a normal looking skate. It's not just like a boot you stick your foot in. It's like a shoe. It has the wrap style. Um, right. You know, and, and the soul play was designed a different way. It's very specific, very different, very unique, which speaks volumes on like what his skating was about alone. Yeah. And I, I remember the second thing that I was going to say. Um, I think even though it's not so much about longevity with him, even though he has longevity, like, but not like in modern times, if you think about someone like, like the Montres or something, people like, or people have been ripping for so long um, or like farmers or like Brascos or something like that. But he has like one of the most complete stories. If you look at his yes. skating, like based on what you were saying with the accidental machine section, he has like the VG six section where like, he's like, you know, 15 years old and like at they're the play like place ripping, at McDonald's <laughs> at the play place McDonald's they're ripping. And then he like, you see him grow on the screen to like be this person. That's like one of the best. And then one of like the greatest innovators and contributors. And then it kind of goes down to like the quality, like the section of quality um, that they, the video quality, like one super innovative. And then like ends with accidental machines and kind of like his goodbye. You know what I mean? Like almost like, uh, like a love letter to skating, yeah. like, you know, um, but it's it just like the start to finish is such like a well uh, documented story. So mm -hmm. that's the, that's the two things I would take from that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious, a little side note, did that 
influence you when you decided to quote like retire? Because I remember you're one of the few people who like put out like a message to the world like, hey, I'm stepping down from being a pro. I'm retiring. I'm just going to skate for fun, whatever. Like, were you yeah. thinking of Dustin during that time? Because he kind of did the same too. Oh, I didn't know that he did that. Um, well, I mean, he, he didn't like no. write out personally, but like what we're talking yeah. about, like he had like a complete story with his skating career, which is kind of like what it seemed like you were trying to do as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing that with uh, about 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 uh, anything like that. I just, I think I was like, I skated for Razors, and I, and then I skated for USD, and then I went to SSM, and then things weren't working out at SSM, so. I had the choice, like my crossword was like, I could try to skate for another company, which I don't think is a good look, or I could just like do this. So, so yeah. I just did that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it wasn't anything thinking about DL or anything, but I think DL, I like, just, just like, yeah, I, like he had like a, a start and a finish, you mm -hmm. know? And yeah, exactly. uh, everything that led up in there was, was a really cool story. Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, oh yeah, that was yours, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot because I had like the same thing on my list too. Um, I'm going to go for my next pick. I'm going to go with an iconic skater uh, who has been spoken about recently, actually, uh, Fabiola Da Silva, which she is not only just an iconic skater on her own, which she very well is, but I think she's by far the most iconic female skater ever, um, so much that you know, she was hanging with all the pros, no matter what gender they were. She was hanging with all of them. She even was the reason for the like the Fabiola rule. You know, for people who don't know, the Fabiola rule was I don't remember if it was part of ASA or the X Games, but pretty much that she was so good that she was they put her just in the men's category because she was that good of a, a female skater that she was able to hang with them. And it was the first of, I believe, any of the action sports to do that with, too. Um, so there's that. She, I believe she maybe not the first pro ever, but like the first female pro to actually like, you know, making like the mainstream. Um, she, I think she's the most female when I was looking her up, the, still the most female, uh, successful female in X games history in any sport too, which is like a huge major accomplishment, especially since rollerblading hasn't been in the X games for, you know, like 20 years almost. So that's right. pretty crazy to think about that alone. Um, and I'll, she, she has like a story too. Cause she came from Brazil where, you know, skating wasn't really necessarily that popular or it wasn't easy to be known in the 90s, but she somehow managed to come out. I think Chris Edwards was part of that as well. Um, but, you know, she she made it out and was able to tour the world with all the top people, you know, major sponsors like Rollerblade and stuff like that, competing in all the contests, X Games. She killed it on Vert as well as Street, which is like, you know, super rare to see these days. Um, and she still skates to this day. She's a, a positive person as well. We had her on the show maybe like two years ago or something like that at... Um, at winter clash and she's still like a very positive person it's before i think it was before covid but yeah it might have been the covid year 2020 yeah, yeah three years COVID ago year, something yeah. like that um but yeah she's still like super positive super motivated she still skates i i believe she's she didn't like skate schools and stuff like that as well so she's still you know pushing the sport into the next generation where she is in brazil um she's still like on tv out there she's still like a, like a star out there i guess you could say and yeah um i feel like anybody who's like a female skater like Fabiola has to have some impact on, on you because she was an incredible person, incredible skater as well. Yeah. I think, 
that's a great choice and that she definitely deserves to be up in there. Um, she was mainly known for her vert skating and like all the contributions there, but she was also able to skate street. Mm -hmm. She's in her forties now. And like, you still see her like hitting down rails. You still see her like skating vert. She had like a crazy line at like this concrete skate park, like a few months back where she was like, just like skating it like a concrete park bowl line, like you would expect. Mm -hmm. But then like doing like the Fabiola things in the middle, like throwing like a flat spin 540, yeah. like super high. And like, oh, there's all those like vert skills kind of showing themselves mm -hmm. at the skate park. But um, yeah, she has always been like a leader for especially like among like females and just, uh, you know, like they made the they made the rule like you were talking about in the X Games, like for her because she was just like killing it so hard for so long. And she's like in her like she's in her 40s now and she's still like a leader in terms of like what she's doing for like athleticism health like you know she's showing like how to take care of your body you can do this like in the in your later years so um yeah i think that's a great choice got to give it up to fab yeah just a good role model altogether. um she's had like her own action figure back in the day you know like she's like she's done a lot we're, we're still waiting on the fabiola pro skate if that ever is gonna be a thing i know that's been in the news lately but um She's probably now that Takeshi got his pro skate, uh, she is probably like the last person that's like fully deserving a pro skate that hasn't gotten one yet. Yeah, that's yeah, that would conversation. be cool. <laughs> no, that would be cool. Like, you know, I think like somewhere along the way, a transition to like uh, a lot of the people that were getting pro skates were like really known for their street skating. Yeah, and she yeah. was like the queen of vert for so long, and then especially when vert was like popular in the 90s, like vert hasn't had like uh as you know the takeshis i think were like where vert was at its peak in terms yeah. of popularity and then it kind of hasn't really come back since like who knows maybe there'll be like a, a new vert skater that comes out and like a young vert skater that brings it back and makes it cool but um she was definitely like the queen when vert was when vert was like on top you know yeah um i agree so yeah that, that that's probably one of the reasons why she didn't get a pro skate but it'll be cool to see that get fixed because I definitely think she deserves it. Yep. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Who's next on your list, Billy? Okay. Um, so many to choose from here, but, um, I mean, there's the obvious ones. I think I'm going to go with a little, I think this is obvious to some, but maybe not obvious to all, but I, I want to go with Julian Bob because Julian Bob was like, he, he did something that, that DL, I think DL kind of did as well um, on, on, a, on a different way, but like he was like an innovator showing like new ways of how to approach skating. And like, while also simultaneously doing like huge hammers that people just weren't able to do. Um, he was like part of like that Seslide era in, in Atlanta, but he would kind of, he would take that to the next level and like, you know, uh, take it to like hammers as well. So, um, you know, everything I remember just first seeing Julian, like, uh, when he was young, like skating in Atlanta at the Atlanta skate park and just being like a phenom then, but he kind of, I kind of put him on like the mantra category where they're just like some of the best of all time, like some of the best contributors and they've been doing it. Like it's been like 15 or 20 years of like Julian being like one of like the best skaters, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, just like everything you look at it from like all of his sections down, like the physics video, the um just the razor video ego yeah. i remember i remember seeing the razors video like uh before like i was filming my section seeing his tricks and just being like stunned be like who like this guy is incredible 
But uh, yeah, I, I got to put him in there, you know, as well. What yeah. do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I love Julian. Everyone, like, it's open that I, I love Julian skating forever. Like you said, he's been doing it forever. Not even he's been doing it forever, but I think his first section was in, I could be wrong, but I think it's an intro, which was like an Atlanta video. And he was like a little baby. He had like, you right. know, short hair and everything. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I just recently rewatched um, part of his podcast because I put like a clip out of, from the episode that we had Julian on. So like, I remember hearing that in it too. Um, but that was, that was so long ago. That was at least 20 years ago, you know, and he's only been getting better since then. His style is, is truly unique. No one skates like Julian at all. Like not, there's not one person out there who skates like Julian. I've never seen anybody, you know, do like smooth switch ups or spin around like those hurricane Cessna things. Like no one does them like Julian. So he definitely cemented his place in the, in the skate world like that. And he still has like the passion for it too. Like, He's he's very passionate about skating the direction that it's going. Still, still believes in it as most of us still do. Yep. And you know, I think he's going to be in skating for a long time. Still coming too. Yeah, and and I also think like uh, like 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 you were saying like like he was like the kind of master of the set slide things. Like he was like bringing that to spots in ways people weren't really thinking of it. Like one trick that comes to mind right now is like there's like this huge down ledge. And he does like this unity cess slide down it and then he switches like to fish brain cess slide. And then he like floats over like back into the fish brain. Like if you saw like this ledge, you wouldn't like approach it in this way. Like, you know, so it's, mm. I, th- I think his approach is like, has always been refreshing and he's like been able to keep that for years, mm. like a very fresh approach. Like, and uh, yeah, so I definitely got to put him up on there. Yeah. Shout out Julian Ba. Wherever you're at, we're still waiting for you to do a, a rewind for us. <laughs> By the way, if you're watching this, Julian. Um, next on my list, I have, I have Mr. John Julio, which um, is spoken about a lot, and, and I feel like everybody, like even though he's been in the game forever, like he's still so relevant now. So like everybody obviously knows who John Julio is, but um, I think like major contributions that he's done is just like. He planted the seeds for all these grassroots and skater-owned uh, events, you know, with IMYTA, Blading Cup, which is still around nowadays. Um, you know, his transition from, like, the Rossies to becoming, like, a, quote, like, skater-run business, I guess you could say, with Valo brand, and then finally coming out with Them Skates, which is a fully 100% skater-owned brand. Like, he paved the way for a lot of that stuff, too, which is huge now, and there's a lot of skater-owned brands to this day and um he's just doing big things with them skates with again getting skating in the mainstream uh he was around in like the 90s too when skating was originally in the mainstream so he has like that experience as well and i feel like he's trying to push it back in that direction a little bit which is cool and it's good that it's coming from somebody who has experience doing that in the 90s because he was pro um in the 90s he was like in hoax too um i believe that was like his first video the first time he was like you know like founded or whatever you know um but yeah, he's doing a good job with the mainstream nowadays, like collaborations with like Blaine Dead, uh, Brain Dead, Clark Shoes, um, being featured on a lot of mainstream outlets like Vogue, Essence, um, High Snobiety, Hype Beast, all these things that is getting rollerblading out there um, for more eyes. And it's going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight, you know, but um, some of these things might contribute to skating blowing up again and potentially being where it should be and skaters being able to make money and make livings out of what we do and what we love. Um, and I feel like he's setting the standard with, with doing that. 
Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> John Julio is probably the most iconic blader at this stage. Um, he's like the most recognizable outside. If like he's been around for so long, like uh, Hoax 5 was in 1995. It was the first time I saw it as Hoax two. Jonathan Hoax 2. Yeah. yeah. 1995. What did I say? Hoax 5? I said, yeah. 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 Hoax 2 was in 1995. Mm -hmm. So well, that's Jonathan Hoax 5 also, but <laughs> yeah, he was probably, in yeah, I remember that part. <laughs> yeah. And it said like Jonathan Julio was like the first time he was introduced. So like a lot of those like 90 skaters and there were so many of them. If they like see you skating and they hadn't skated for years, like, Oh, do you know John Julio? Like yeah. John Julio is kind of like that name that like people like always go to and remember. And he's gone on to do like, you know, everything with Valo, everything with them skates. He's gone on to have like, these iconic collaborations. Like you were saying, brain dead Clark's, everything like complex magazine uh vogue and um yeah so i i think that's a no-brainer he's like the most recognizable and iconic blader within blading so uh yeah i mean everything from vg3 on down you know mm -hmm. these iconic tricks and like the early vgs these iconic sections being a part of like these super iconic companies england england, england too, yeah. i remember was such an exclusive company like what the the there were three people who skated for england when it started it was josh petty dustin latimer and john julio mm -hmm. and that was like kind of known as like the dream team like that that that's kind of what made it such an iconic company because they had such iconic people and he's just been able to like transcend uh just throughout all the years i can stay relevant like you know like mm -hmm. while people I just keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not uh, speaking it clearly, but yeah, uh, John Julio definitely on that list. Yeah, no, I completely get what you're saying too. And uh, another thing I want to mention too about John was like, he almost sets the standard and, and there's older people than John Julio that skate, but I feel like he almost like sets the standard of like how old you can be to keep pushing the sport. Cause like you could like skate forever until like you're 60, 70, 80, but the way the level that John still is skating at now, he's still ripping on the street, still hitting handrails and stuff like that, like doing relatively big things. And I remember for decades, everyone's like, oh, like how long can we skate for? Can we skate into our 30s? Can we skate into our 40s? And I remember yep. always looking at John and John was like, okay, John's like almost 40 now. He's still ripping it. We, we still have a few years left in us. He's like, oh, he's 42 now. We could be doing this easily into our 40s. And he he kind of, in my mind, sets the standard to that. Um, and he, he created a lot of tricks back in the day too. Like he invented mistrials. He invented unities, which are tricks that we still do today. And we owe that to John Julio. No, it, it, exactly. He's like such like, uh, yeah, it, it goes so deep, like his level of contribution and like the, the amount of contribution that, yeah, he, he's definitely that guy. Like I said, I, I, I would put him up as like the most iconic rollerblader. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, that's probably yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's a great choice. Who will we go on to next? I think we would be remiss if we don't have a podcast where we mention, uh, like flip a coin. <laughs> Got to say Alex Broskow, right? Mm -hmm. You can't you can't do it without saying Alex. You know, Alex has been around forever. Back in the days when he was uh, in his early teen years, and they called him Gromit around Kansas City, and he was in the shadow of. Uh, Kansas City skaters at the time, Jeff Belzeski, Jeremy Morris, uh, Todd Bluebaugh, just to name a few. Not in the shadow, but he was like the younger version of yeah. what was coming next out of Kansas City. 
And then he went on to like, you know, kind of, I first saw his skating in like the early VGs, like VG 16, I was seeing his yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's his first section. Yeah, his, VG 16. And then he just like went on to produce like, I don't know. He's got to have at least at least 20 sections, full full parts, um, just hundreds and hundreds of clips like throughout skating and just like always kind of like that driving force. Like, you know, during the Vibrolux years when it was uh, – Similar to how England was, they had a super strong three-piece of a skate company. It was Chris Farmer, um, Chris Haffey, and Alex Proskow, and that was, like, super iconic. Like, the top three skaters at the time were, like, were the, the Trailblazers, and he just, like, went from being, like, relevant in that era to still being, like, one of the best. He's recognized by many to be the GOAT. He's definitely in the GOAT conversation, like, in terms of uh, – just everything he's done, like every, like every, he's pushed skating forward for well over a decade now. Pro- like we could say, probably two decades at this point, and just continues to be like uh, the. Le- I think the the level of control that he's able to uh, display, like through like his heel rolls, his toe rolls, his combining tricks, he's bringing things together. He's similar to the Kelsos in the way where he's like managed to stay relevant. Uh, in in terms of what he's able to bring, not just staying good because staying good is a challenge in and of itself or like living up to the past version of yourself is a challenge in and of itself, but he's been able to innovate as well and like also continue to contribute new ideas, new ways to skate that have really helped push skating. He's, he's, he's definitely up there in terms of like one of the most iconic rollerbladers. He's like... Um, yeah, just like, and you can see like his influence, you know, like what he's been able to do. You can see it in other skaters. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, that's that's an Alex idea. Or like, you'll play with ideas that are like Alex ideas. I think Alex and the Kelsos are similar in that way where they have like, oh, that's very much this uh, Braskow-esque, you know? Um, but yeah, he uh, he's definitely one of the most iconic. I think we can't have a conversation about this without him. Yeah, you know, you said that really well. You can't have that go conversation without Alex being mentioned, you know, top two or three, if anything, for that. And I was going to make a similar reference to like the Kelsos, too. I feel like they're all aging like fine wine. They've been in the game forever, sections forever in videos and all the exposure forever, killing it forever. Like they're iconic and influential throughout the entire time from mid 2000s up until now, 2023. So, um, yeah, it's like by default, Alex has to be on this rollerblading hall of fame if you ask anybody out there he's definitely probably you know arguably the best skater in the world or probably one of the best skaters to ever put rollerblades on their feet so alex definitely has a place in the rollerblading hall of fame i think almost on any skaters list at this point right um i am going to hmm, i was gonna hmm, i'm gonna go something similar since we're on on the this topic right now and i'm gonna put chris haffey in the rollerblading hall of fame as well. He, he's on my rollerblading hall of fame uh, for very similar reasons that Alex is in it too. Um, you know, he's had, he was part of the Vibrolux thing that uh, oh, I think about that KFC three section, that Vibrolux section to the Eminem song with him, farmer and Alex just killing it. That was fucking. Oh insane. yeah. That was huge. That yeah. was huge. Yeah. But um, yeah, happy has been in the game forever uh, since uh, what are the Brian Bell videos videos called back in the day. Um, 
Street, street dwellers? Street, yeah, street dwellers back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I guess like that's when Haffy started coming up. But uh, Jan Welsh actually put up a, a Chris Haffy section from like back in the day that I've never even seen before. And it was it was super insane to see the shit that he was doing with like the original remedies and stuff back then. But um, he he's also done like some of the most ridiculous hammers, similar to like how we said with Aaron Feinberg that have been untouchable since then. And he had like a major part in like the Nitro Circus thing as well, which was like kind of blending all like the action sports together, you know, skateboarding, BMX, FMX, rollerblading, even scootering now, um, and brought like a lot of skaters to skate the mega ramp with like the Nitro Circus games that was like in an arena and was televised and stuff, which was pretty cool to see. And even though yeah. Chris doesn't skate in the Nitro Circus as much anymore, um, he's still in the background doing stuff for them, uh, which is which is pretty cool. You know, it's, it's putting rollerblading in a good direction. Um, he has done a good job at representing the sport, I think, in those situations like if there is going to be somebody skating in arenas around the world like half he's probably the guy to do it you know he's like a showman of showmen uh he's really good at doing that and, and represents our sport really well and you know as far as like a core aspect of it too he's just his sections have been ridiculous and iconic since like vg20 um the kfc sections uh his Vibralux edits that he's done he's just incredible skater uh great role model humble person and i think definitely deserves a name, a spot on the Rollerblading Hall of Fame. Oh, definitely. Like, he's, like, uh, he's, like, fully, like, our, like, extreme motocross blader yeah. combined <laughs> with, like, everything else. Like, he's, like, proven himself on, like, the tech level mm -hmm. and all these other, like, like, the hardest tricks. Like, he's, mm -hmm. like, in that, like, all, like, the hardest tricks that could be done. Biggest gaps, most technical tricks, switch-ups, everything, you name it. He was just the guy that, like, made it a point to go and conquer everything that was uh, happening out there at the time. Uh, and, like, we were talking about with uh, Broscow before, that, like, Vibralux section where, like, the three of them combined mm -hmm. was just, like, so massive uh, in terms of – he was a huge amplitude blader, but he was also able to, like, bring in, like, some, like, cool new – tech things that weren't happening at the time you know he was able to do like um just like a lot of those like before like the 450 tricks were on the market huge he was doing them he was doing like the fakie 630 for he has like that like the yeah. first one to do like the fake fakie 720 royale he was doing like oh, like he has a lot of firsts of like i'm gonna do like he was like doing like the five kind grind fakie 720 kind grind at like the seattle contest and like barn burner and all these other things and so he was just like very much that guy, like, um, yeah, who just like handled everything. And he he went in and he killed everything in skating. And wow, what a perfect transition. You know, he went on to like do like the Nitro Circus, be like the first guy in rollerblading to kind of have that exposure to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Apparently, like uh, Travis Pastrana went to the guys at Woodward and they were like, who's your best rollerblader? And they were like, Chris Haffey. And definitely, like, at the time, I don't think many people would be able to argue with that. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to, like, you know, represent rollerblading on, like, the main stage for years and um, uh, was able to introduce blading to people who hadn't seen blading, maybe didn't have the, the love or respect for blading that uh, because of whatever reason, like, how blading was viewed in, like, the social uh, light back in the day. But, yeah, he just went on to just do massive things in the streets at the Nitro Circus, at skate parks. He was just like the king of all that stuff and kind of just, yeah, definitely has to be there in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I just think that the fact that he's been like an ambassador to 
other people in other action sports as well and represented us to the masses really well. Uh, that, that section that he put out, that Viberlux section, which was like his first street section after the whole Nitro Circus stuff, like the way his skating changed from being involved in skating pretty much exclusively a mega ramp for years and then bringing it to the streets was really cool to see. And and in my opinion, one of the, the best sections um, ever made in rollerblading. Uh, so yeah, he, he just represented the sport really well and represented rollerbladers to other people really well too, I think. Definitely. Definitely. Um, okay. How many more I do you have, have on your list, more? by the way? How many more do you have? What about you? How many have, more do you have? I have four more. Four? How many do you have that we, because I took some of them off that we, we spoke about together? Yeah, I could do four more. Okay. <laughs> you could do four more. Okay. okay. I wasn't like yeah. pushing you to do four more. I was just curious how many. So go for it. Set it off. Um, okay. So we got to talk about, if, if we're going to talk goat talk as well, we got to talk about John Bellino. Ooh. Because Someone just said I that got, in the comments got, I, too. Yeah, we, we got to talk about John Bellino if we're going to talk about Go Talk. Um, it's hard to kind of put people in the Hall of Fame when they're still being active and they're still like in the middle of making their case for the Hall of Fame and doing like all of the, uh, they're still involved. But I think at this point, it's fair to say that John Bellino needs to have a spot there, especially like if we're talking about the Go Talk, like he's one of the few people who people compare because I think people talk about Alex Brasco as the GOAT a lot of the time and people can compare the two. And to even be able to make these two comparable is such like a huge accolade. I've even seen like uh, Alex has commented on on John Bellino's like Instagram post with a GOAT icon. Like he's like mm. referred to him as the GOAT too, mm. which is just like that in and of itself should like carve you out of space and like to get that kind of nod and approval from someone who we consider the GOAT. But yeah, everything he's done, like uh, the early days, he has like a section when he was 13 years old. You could find it on YouTube where he's skating to Black Ridiculous. Sabbath. <laughs> and the rails are like up to his head and he's hitting all these like massive rails, doing like fakey 720s, like, you know, uh, on sets. And you just see like it's been his whole life and then what that's gone on to develop. Everything like from like the iconic, you know, pariah and like all the stuff that he's like gone on to do. And he's also been like, you know, speaking of everything he's done, he was like a huge, uh, like factor and proponent and like helping launch Mesmer. And like, you know, you look at rising and he has such a presence in like the Mesmer videos and everything he's gone on to do. And, uh, yeah, contests, everything. So I got, I, I got to put Bellino as, uh, someone in the go conversation, someone that we got to put in the hall of fame. Yeah. And one thing, I feel like that's important about John John that I still call him John John, by the way. One thing that's important about John John that uh, that we haven't spoken about yet was he made a comeback and it was like successful, which is like he was already like a pro skater and then kind of fell off the map for a little bit, not fell off, but just like faded away from like the, the scene for a while, a few years, did his music thing and whatever. And then after remember like the powwow uh 2020 powwow he showed up and everyone's like oh shit john john's back like this is crazy but he wasn't yeah. like he wasn't like doing anything he was just there kind of skating um and yeah. then he's like mon because montre one he's like montre i'm coming back next year and i'm gonna i'm gonna take it from you and there hasn't been a powwow since then but he was right like he made a comeback and it's stronger than ever he's skating better than he's ever been skating he's had a pro skate already he's won contest already 
like you don't see that really happen. People make comebacks sure all the time, but to make a comeback on his level, um, I feel like his age probably had a lot to do with it too. He's a relatively younger person to be able to do that. But still, like to come back to be pushing the sport, he jumped right back into like I'm not gonna say what's trendy now, but like what skating has evolved into. Like he jumped right back into it seamlessly. But he still has like the hammers and all that stuff too. He has the tech stuff. He has the heel rolly, swivelly stuff. Yeah. He's, got, he's got it all. He molded right into what skating was nowadays, which is really cool to see. I think yeah. by far he has the best skating comeback of all time. And I think that alone in itself is iconic. No, that's definitely worth acknowledging. He, uh, a lot of the times when people take time off and they come back, they can still be good, but they're not really engaging with like the new. Uh, style of what's being brought like with like the new uh, what's 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 happening what's like the new innovations in skating they're not really engaging in that like you see especially you saw it over like the pandemic a lot of people came back to skating and they were like coming back with like an old style of skating which is fine but john was able to come back and do what everyone was doing at the time successfully and sometimes even take it further so yeah, I think his age was like a huge contributing factor to that because he was just like, you know, such a young goat when he was was at his prime and then he came back and now he's at his prime again. It's crazy. So he's uh someone who I mean, you know, at your prime again, there's only one prime, but he was able to like peak at two different times, you know yeah. what I mean? And uh he's Still he's getting better. again trailblazing and he's skating better than ever because he's just having fun with it and you could like See, when someone's having fun with it and they're playing with it, that's when like a lot of those ideas can come forward. And he's uh, he's been able to do that really well. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you, you said it pretty well there. Like a lot of people, they make a comeback. They pick up where they left off, which is great. It's fine. It's good to see. But he didn't just pick up where he left off. He like picked up where the time was, if that makes sense. Right. Like, he, it looks like he didn't leave skating at all during that time. And that's I think that's like the hardest part in, in making a comeback right there. But definitely. he definitely pulled that off. Um, yep. my next choice for rollerblading hall of fame, I'm going to go in not specifically a skater, but more of a filmer. I'm gonna go with Dave Payne, which his interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Dave Payne because he's done a lot. He's done a lot for skating. He's not necessarily obviously like a roller. He is a rollerblader, you know, he was, but he wasn't known for his skating. You know, he's more known for making the video group videos back in the day and his contributions to the media and everything like that, which I think is almost as important of a part to the rollerblading culture as being an actual skater you know he set like we've still talked about it on the show many times even like colin kelso mentioned it a bunch of times too like he also created like the soundtrack for a lot of our lives because he made the main videos that we watched back in the day from let's see what, what video vg3 was like 96 or something like that to maybe 2003 or so when vg23 was uh but that whole time he was making like all the main videos he did like all the woodward videos too along with like salmon video and a bunch of other side projects as well but he was putting out like two to three full-length videos a year he was hustling he had you know he had tours he had all the best skaters involved if you were had the had the privilege like someone like yourself just to be in a video groove at the time like that was huge if you had a profile in a video groove sec in a video groove that was even bigger like that cemented you in rollerblading's history forever so i feel like that is what made dave Payne so special and what he brought to the table for blading just in general um yeah like anybody who grew up during that time knows that the video groove videos were super important super special 
Um, he also made like all the IMYT videos and stuff like that too. But yeah, I feel like without Dave Payne, our history would be completely different. Uh, that's, you know, I, I wasn't looking at it from that aspect, but yeah, Dave Payne, a hundred percent, like he, uh, without him, we would have had such a different trajectory of where we would be. He helped really mold, uh, our culture completely before the online times. And we've yeah. talked about this many times when there was our internet or our Instagram for like, to see what was happening on in rollerblading was like, a what the VHS that would come out like uh, three or four times a year mm -hmm. through video groove. And that's kind of like how we were able to keep up and it influenced us in so many different ways, the music, the skating and something like just to set the standard. Um, Dave Payne was that from, you know, the mid nineties and from almost the very beginning, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he's definitely, we would have a completely different trajectory and it, we might be completely different image wise if it wasn't for him. Like he was that guy. So yeah, I, that that's, that's a cool pick. Mm, yeah. I feel like a lot of us wouldn't have been able to really experience skating back then because there was no internet and stuff like that. You know, we had like daily bread magazine, but like a lot of us waited for the video group video to come out. And that was like our benchmark of what was going on in the industry at the time. Like, damn, this person's section just came out. It was crazy. I can't wait for the next one. So I feel like he did a really good job doing that. Yeah, that, that, that that's an awesome choice. And uh, like you said, like if he came to your town, it was a big deal. If he came to your city, it was a big deal. Um, I remember when he came to New York City, we were all like, and it, it was like a thing like, oh, like you got, you're going to go skate with Dave? Like it was like a huge thing. So like that's, that, that definitely followed him and um, – yeah, we got to give it up to Dave. It so, kills me. I've never choice. been. A, it kills me. I've never been a part of a video group video. Kills me. <laughs> You've never had a clip in a video group? No, never. That was like no. that was like right when I started like coming up, I guess, in the in the world was when like video group ended. So I never had a yeah. I never had a clip in a VG, and I never had a photo in a Daily Bread, which I like. Those are two things where like, damn, I wish I I had those, but whatever. Damn, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. Um. But I feel it like it's definitely like um, from a certain era and it's like the opportunity as well. Like, you know, like even when like VGs were happening, like in like VG, like eight, nine, 10, 11, we, we might've been like able to get in those, but you had to like be with Dave. Like Dave yeah. had to come to your city. That's why like a lot of the time, like East Coast VG was like the first time a lot of the New York guys were, were in it because that's, the, that's when he came. Like, you know what I mean? So it was, it was really like how the opportunity presented itself and um with that, I think if you were in California, like it would have definitely been more of a thing, but mm -hmm. we didn't have many opportunities in New York to like skate for, it was like, even though when he was there, it was like a two night yeah, quick. or two day thing. And we randomly linked up with him. We were so, so pumped, but uh, yeah. And he had like some people help like Tao Shayon actually helped with like uh, an earlier New York video, like VG 13 mm -hmm. and um, Chris Majed helped Majed. in the later ones like yeah. VG, VG 19. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, Cool. I can't believe we've come this far and not named Brian Shima. <laughs> I saw people mentioning it in the chat too. Um, we're definitely holding off on a few good ones, but yes, Brian Shima, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, he's in like the intro to like this podcast, like that 540, which is like super iconic. I mean, man, I know like I, I was saying like the most iconic and most recognizable rollerblader is John Julio, but I think probably one of the most iconic tricks in all of rollerblading history 
is that 540 adversity like into the sea of people he is just like one of the he is also one of the most iconic rollerbladers in terms of like trick recognizability like what he was able to bring and you know we talked about like dl has like a complete story in skating and i think it's it's fair to say although maybe a little tough to say like brian actually has like a a, a pretty uh, start to finish story too, but his it's almost like a tragic ending. Yeah, his, but he came in and he was like winning contests. He was like one of the, the most successful contest skaters forever. Like he would go to contests with the mentality, "I'm going to win this event, win those events." He was a part of mind game like during that iconic time. Uh, medium, I feel like I'm saying iconic too much, but I That's this a good way is to like kind of yeah, it's kind of like a descriptive of like for like a lot of these people, but um. Yeah, you'd look at like uh, the, his contribution, like from the early days on forward, the VG with the you know bomb uh, bomb squad. Bomb squad. Mm-hmm. In, oh my god, it was like him, Pat Lennon, Jim Bell, BJ Bernhardt, and just like their approach. Like he was like kind of like doing when everyone was doing switch ups and getting technical and into hip hop in like the late '90s. He was like skating fast doing gaps like not engaging in like the uh handicap switch up game kind of like being a rocker and a trailblazer so he's always been that person in rollerblading and then like i said he went on to do like the mind game things and he went on to do four by four which was uh you know when if you're gonna leave like it would be crazy to think of leaving mind game at the time when yeah. it was like such a force and he left mind game and he took john elliott he took chris Haffey, and he went on to make this Another whole, like one of the best videos of all time, Leading the Blind is like one of the best videos of all time. And mm-hmm. you have to mention that in there. And uh, Alex Brasco was obviously with them. And uh, I, I don't think you could have this conversation without him. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, you, could, you could just tell the impact that Shima has at, at the last winter class. She was there and he was like mod by people nonstop, you know, like a celebrity in there. Um, but yeah, he also did SSM too, and and Nim, which is like really cool to see, uh, to see you know a pro skater go on and start their own skate company. Uh, one of the first to do that, as well as you know, I mentioned John Julio before, which is like something that you, even you're doing now with Mesmer. Um, it's cool to see that, and he was one of the first uh, pioneers to to make that happen. Um, but he, does he? I wonder if he has like the record for the most pro skates even to this day, because he's had like USD pro skates. He's had like the most Razors pro skates. Um, and even he has new Razors pro skates, you know, <laughs> like he's still getting pro skates from Razors. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just like that guy that, you know, he had his name on so many products as well. Um, yeah. And I'd I, say it's I, probably, I, it's probably him or Julio. Yeah, that's true. I feel like he might have more than Julio, but I don't know. We could be he wrong. Might have Some, more than Julio, yeah. so, somebody should fact check us in, in, in the comments. If anyone knows exactly yeah. who has like the most pro skates, that's an interesting fact to, to have. But yeah, like when the, the new Shima Razors dropped at the time or whatever it is, like that, it was really cool to, uh, to see every year. But yeah, Shima is definitely one of the most iconic skaters of all time. One of the most iconic sections of all time with uh, Brain Fear gone as well um, as the 4x4 videos leading the blind. Um, coup d'etat. Coup d'etat. I almost yes. forgot about coup d'etat. So he's part of like Brain Fear Gone, Coup d'etat, yeah. um, Leading the Blind. Are those like some of the top three like most iconic videos? That, that's up got, there. It's got to be. It's got to yeah, be. It's yeah. got to be. So yeah, he, he he's definitely cemented his time. And um, his legacy like lives on forever. We've we've had him on the show, on the, on the podcast. And it was, it's, I think it's our most popular podcast because he's that guy. He has such an impact and he's still such a good yeah. guy. Um, 
you know, a positive guy, a great role model too, as well. Anybody who's ever had the pleasure to speak with him or interact with him in any way, you know exactly how he is. Um, you know, Brian's the man, so he definitely has a spot in in the Rollerblading Hall of Fame as well as the goat conversation that you know seems to be popping up. Definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going to say for my next one, it's another duo, and uh, this might be unique to like, me and like my style and what I see in skating now. But I'm going to put, sorry guys for putting you together here, but Joey McGarry and Todd McInerney from the Mushroom Blading guys. I'm going to put them in the rollerblading in my rollerblading Hall of Fame at least anyway. Um, I just feel like they, you know, they they've been around obviously forever and they've been through all the generations of skating and even though I've only like recently in the last like five years or so been like really big on their content and everything. If you look back on their catalog, they've put out so many videos of all these errors of skating and you look back at them and I feel like they kind of preface a lot of what skating, what the skating direction went to, which is like what it is kind of today. You know, they obviously did a lot of like the mushroom blading stuff and they didn't coin the term mushroom blading, but they turned it into what it is now. And you see that more and more these days. And I feel like they were just so ahead of their time with that. And a lot of influences, whether people knew it or not, came from what they did in, in their skating and everything. But everything from mushroom blading, even like wizard style of skating, that stuff, they, they destroyed in that category. And they still constantly put out content to these, this day. And, you know, a, a lot of people are influenced by their skating and the content they put out. And I think that's huge because it's kind of you know, even though they're not like in the mainstream or they're not like the Brian Shimas or the John Julios of the world, they still have possibly like an equivalent impact on what skating culture and what skating style is today. Um, even I think 10 years from now, we're still going to look back on a lot of stuff that they put out and say like, damn, like they were ahead of the game. This is shit that they were doing 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And they do a really good job at it. And they have fun with it, too. They have, like, you know, that Canadian style of, like, sense of humor and everything. They really throw it out there. And um, I think it's really unique what they do, what they have been doing. Their dedication to the sport has been unmatched since they have been putting content out for decades already. Uh, And, yeah, I think they're ahead of the game. And I don't see them slowing down anytime soon either. So I I feel like they definitely cemented their spot in the skating world for those reasons. Yeah, I, I like that take. That's definitely like a, a take that you, like you were saying, would be different from like the Brian Shimas and the John Julios. Yeah. But in terms of contribution, I definitely can agree with you on that and um, see what they were able to bring. They also like were putting out content very earlier on. They were like the first blading or one of the first. I'm pretty sure they were the first. Maybe not, but I think they were the first blading podcast. Uh, uh, Rolling Revival yeah. was the first, but Mushroom Blading probably, probably was like second. Yeah. And it, they just been like, uh, just doing this forever. And, you know, Cirque du Soleil and they went from, I remember first, like when they first started coming out with ideas, they weren't being like taken too seriously. Yeah. They were kind of like, uh, cause blading kind of had this pedagogy that was like going on for a long time already. And just like, you had to kind of draw within those lines, but they were drawing outside of the lines and bringing new ideas forward. And some of our like best skaters were, influenced by them you see like every like a lot of the stuff that the kelsos are doing now i was about to make that reference them. yep yeah and just a lot a lot the whole direction of skating now because they they kind of had the courage to go there so i think that's a good pick yeah they uh I, I was gonna make a similar uh statement as well like how the kelsos we were just talking about them how they still 
push skating in a direction, in a different direction, you know, year after year, video after video. And I feel like Todd and Joey do something very similar to them as well. But just because they're not like big names like Sean Kelso, Colin Kelso and, and stuff like that, they might not get the recognition that they deserve, but one day they will. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and they've definitely been contributing a lot to the sport. Definitely. Okay, so I'm going to go with uh, two more here. It's so tough um, to just do two more. And it's, and it's, it's hard to like get everyone on this list. It's, it's like oh, yeah. I, I, I have a big list here. I'm not going to name everyone. Or maybe I can name them at the end. I was like, we could do like but, honorable mentions at the end. Maybe just, just list off people that we feel like. And okay. Everyone in the chat could do that as well too. Okay, so, so I, think, I think part of this like should be kind of uh, – like a hall of fame should be kind of regional as well should be considered. And in that, like I got to put up a uh, Soichiro Kanashima, you know, in terms of like the most uh, influential Japanese skater for sure. Like I was looking at like from the early days, like Chiaki Ito, he was like one of the most well-known uh, Japanese skaters. Um, and he still skates to this day, but Soichiro Kanashima has just like, I remember like uh, we, he was like winning contests, like in, the hoedown in like 2006 and he's continued to be like that innovator. He's continued to be, and just look at like what he's done to like contribute to the scene around him in Japan. Like you see like the younger skaters and you can see like the influence there. It's kind of like when you see some of like the Alex Broskow and other skaters, like, you know, with like the J Japanese skaters, you can see like a lot of the Soichiro in them. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, he's just been like on top for so long. So I, uh, I feel like we gotta, we gotta put him in there because he's like, you know, he's definitely like a goat in his own right. Like I'm like the whole spectrum, but like, if you just like look down to Asia, he's gotta be like the one of the goat, like the goat of Asia, like definitely in that conversation and, uh, in Japan without a doubt. So yeah, you yeah, gotta throw uh, that out there. I like that reference that you make too. Cause like Chiaki Itu was like the guy, like he was probably the only really popular um asian skater or japanese skater specifically back in the day and like jackie Itu, i mean um so she kind of like picked up where he left off kind right. of uh, just super stylish innovative um like you you recognize the skating anywhere he was just like that guy and, and socio kind of picked up that torch and um also socio does a lot of good things for skating now too he has his own skate park, I believe still with a skate school there that he teaches kids. That's like what he does. As far as I um, remember from a few years ago, he still does that. He just, that's what he does for work. He teaches kids how to skate, which is awesome to see. And you see that with all these generations of little Japanese kids popping up, you know, they're all killing it. They all have this incredible style. Everybody knows it. You know, everyone sees it coming up. Yuto Goto was under his wings for a long time um, growing up as well. So, there's a lot of goats, future goats to come out of uh, Japan. And I feel like a lot of that is going to be because of Soshiro. So that is like an excellent choice right there, Billy. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to stay on that side of the world for my next pick for uh, the Hall of Fame. And I'm going to go with Takeshi Yasutoko. And even though he's mainly a, a vert skater, like he is the best vert skater ever. And yeah, that was that was a quote in old daily bread. I forgot who said it. There was like 
Dave Mirror or Matt Hoffman, someone yeah, like that. Yeah, some BMX guy. Not like, remember, but it was It was like BMX a Dave Mirror or Matt Hoffman, yeah. something like that. And he said, Takeshi Yasutoko is the best vert rider of any sport, period. And that was yeah. like straight up coming from somebody who wasn't even a rollerblader at the time. And yeah. he is still, I think, just as good now, if not better than he was back then, which is unbelievable to, to think about. And I mean, he has his brother also, um, uh, Takeshi and Eito Yasutoko, who were both coming into like the X games and all these other events, LG games back in the day, just mm-hmm. straight up killing it. No one was on their level, even though there were some incredible vert skaters throughout the years, no one was even close to Takeshi. I feel like if you went to a vert contest and Takeshi showed up, you were like, okay, I'm done. Like there's no point in even competing. Right. That's how yeah. insane his skating is. And I love that now with social media, you get to see him skate things other than a vert ramp, even though, him skating a vert ramp is insane to watch, but like you get to see him skate like street courses at skate parks and flow lines, and he skates the the feast street course uh, event every year, and it's really cool to see that side of him too. Because I wish we got to see more of that back in the day, but I mean, I don't know. I guess they were like training because they're so you know disciplined over there in, in Japan, like the way that they do things. They were just like, we're gonna be the best vert skaters, and we're gonna focus strictly on that. They killed it at that. You know, they were by far the best. Um, they also nowadays, along with uh, Sosho, they have G Skates, which is their skate park, and they have skate camps and skate skate schools there where they constantly teach kids how to skate. You see that all the time too. Um, you know, they're bringing up a whole new generation of skaters that uh, we might not know who they are now, but we I'm sure we will someday. And they're just keeping the sport alive over there. They represent really well with the sport too. Um, and yeah, I mean, by far. I would say, even though Takeshi is primarily a vert skater, I would say that he is one of the best pre- people in the world to ever put rollerblades on their feet. No, that's an extremely compelling case. And like, I agree. I think he's like the best vert skater who has ever lived. Like, uh, also got to me- mention his brother as well. But um, yeah, just what, like the way he went about it, like the Viking flips, like the sheer control of what he was able to do, the amplitude. amplitude um, he's huge. actually, yeah, he's actually like transitioned in the later years to like regular park and seeing him even hit some rails, like skate some street, but he is, uh, and he's still going. So like if blading ever comes back to a place where it would be on like the main stage again, um, then he would be right there able to be like the best vert rider in the world once again. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, that, that, that's an awesome, that's an awesome pick. Dude. Like watching him skate a mini ramp is insane because he skates like, Vert ramp is like one of those things like, okay, like it's crazy, but no one really knows how crazy a vert ramp is to skate unless you A, see it in person or try it yourself, which is very hard to do because there aren't many vert ramps in the world. But to see him skate a mini ramp, like everyone can pretty much relate to skating a mini ramp. He destroys mini ramp. He skates it almost like a vert ramp. He's getting crazy air doing flips, spins, but he saws all the grinds and everything. His flow is unreal. And aside from like the actual tricks that he did, he just went way bigger than anybody else. And that's something that I honestly don't really see anybody ever topping. Like I can't picture anybody ever going bigger than Takeshi on any kind of ramp. It's it's insane that they have that. No, it's true. Um, yeah, he's the best uh, yeah. when it comes to Furt. That's for sure. Yeah. Who's your last pick that we? Oh, okay. Last, so, before we get so to the nominations. Is- I mean, this they, uh, is tough. 
This is tough, and yeah, I'm going to save the rest for honorable mentions. Uh, and I think all these honorable mentions can be in the Hall of Fame as well. But we have to stop this episode at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to, I'm going to leave it to to one more, and I got to go, Chris Farmer. You know, we talked about the the what the Vibrolux team meant at the time, like Chris and Alex and Happy, and we also talked about like the contribution, like mind game and words when it was like words, like he was up there with like Aaron Feinberg, Dustin Latimer, just Chris Farmer, like an hour long video with three people, which is, um, turned out to be one of the most like, like groundbreaking videos of the time. You know what I mean? It was, uh, just such like, had such a huge impact on what was being able to be done. If you look at like his first things in skating, it was like back in the day, like one of the first online edits, he had just like was ripping, I think it was called snow or something, but it was just him like skating like these massive down rails in the snow in uh, Minnesota. I think, he was I think it was Life Plus section. It was like slow-mo? No, no, nope, before that, that. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe that was the name of what I'm thinking of the Life Plus section, but yeah. hit, the online edit that I'm thinking of was like the first online edit that mm. went viral in skating. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was like hitting like these huge down rails skating switch. I like, can just like an innovator at that time went on to like, Fast, like balance fast slides properly. I think DL was like one of the first to like reintroduce like balancing or introduce balancing a fast slide. Then Farmer took it to the next level on like massive rails and words and just switch ups and and he's still going. And he was just like, yeah, I I got to put him in there as like one of the best. Yeah, Farmer. What I liked about Farmer is that he wasn't scared to take risks and chances with not just in skating, but himself. He was one of like the first people who transitioned from seven XL baggy sweatpants and t-shirts to like wearing tighter clothes and dressing the way he does now. Uh, I know he got a lot of shit for that back in the day, but like that's him. That's who he is. And a lot of people followed with that. He also cited that his, his main influence for the way he skates, the way he does was Dustin Latimer. And you see that switch in his skating when yeah. like the mind game video started happening and he started skating with Dustin more and I guess taking more note of his style of skating, but really innovative, his skating it's, it's always forever been like that. It's unmatched. Uh, no one in the world skates like Chris Farmer and it, yeah, it like many people we have on this list. Farmer was definitely one of those people to really innovate, really skate his own way. Wasn't scared of what like people said, how he skated, how he dressed whatever it was, that's the way he wanted to skate. And it always, I believe anyway, in my opinion, always hit always. No, definitely. And like, yeah, just such like, uh, such, such a leader in that way. Um, just like even like the cess sliding under rails over things like those little, like he had so many like impossible tricks and he was also pushing like what was, what you were able to skate in the time when we were kind of limited and drawing within the lines. He was, one of those people like Latimer that kind of taking new ideas forward and doing it successfully. And uh, yeah, I'm like the terms of like how many different levels he's been through. He was like the baggy Chris. Mm -hmm. And then he was like the man with that. He was like the tighter Chris, like the emo Chris mm -hmm. in like bang. And yeah, he bang. was one of the best with that. And then he went on to like be like the leather guy and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, he just like has survived so many different errors of skating and got to put him in the hall of fame. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to stick with the theme of Chris's for my last pick. And uh, I'm going to go with, starting from the beginning, I'm going to go with Chris Edwards as my last pick for the Rollerblading Hall of Fame. Like, 
I don't have enough time to mention why he should be in the rollerblading hall of fame, but he's pretty much like the first a, a proper, like aggressive rollerblader. You could say, um, at least mainstream big one, but he was like the face of rollerblading, not even just rollerblade the brand, but rollerblading in general, like in the nineties, they, he, they legit right. made him the poster boy. Like he said it on our show too. rollerblade legit made him the poster boy for the brand rollerblade. Which yeah, he was, was on posters. He was the poster boy. <laughs> it's legit. Like every holiday, everything he was doing, every demo all around the world. He was a superstar. Um, he had like bodyguards, you know, at at a diff all over the world, no matter where he went. Brazil, yeah, yeah, in Brazil. That story was funny too. Um, he was in movies as well, like like Airborne, you know, which was a big part of like the '90s and when rollerblading was really big. He was that guy, but he also yeah. contributed on more like a core level too, where he had like the diversity tour, um, which is like a common ground for skaters to get together who had like common interests besides just rollerblading, whether it be music or instruments or whatever else is going on in your lifestyle right now. Um, he had like the first pro skate, like the Tarmac CE, um, and helped design the first proper aggressive skate, which was the Daytona and like the Dirk and the CI five and all that stuff too. So a lot of contributions to what set the foundation, um, for skating back in the day. He was one of those like all terrain skaters, like John Julio and, and Scotty Crawford like to say where he was ripping it invert doing McTwist like 10 feet high in the air in yeah. like 1994, 1995, which most skaters have never even done in their entire lives, let alone back then. But like also did like the first handrail. He did like the first kink rail before. Like he did a lot of first and like a genuine pioneer in our sport. And I don't know where skating would be if Chris wasn't doing those things back in the day. No, it's true. He was like, uh, you know, you look at blading back in the day, like definitely airborne. I know it was like a, the entry point to a lot of people who had seen blading in the mainstream. And, you know, he did the first grind on a rail and he did the diversity tour. He was doing, he was just like that guy on the forefront forever. Like he was going around doing demos. He was put, he was, he made like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from rollerblading, like back in like the, the day, because he was just working so hard when he was a and teenager. he took it all. <laughs> yeah. And he took it all and he reinvested it back in. And, you know, he's he's definitely one of like the saints of uh, rollerblading, St. Chris. But he has to be in like the uh, rollerblading Hall of Fame for sure. He just uh, everything that he's contributed over the years. And he's like, you know, we call him the Godfather. And I think that's uh, aptly named. You know, he's a uh, he's like an uncle or a godfather to mm -hmm. to the to the blading scene. So, I think that's a good last one. Good choice. Yeah, I, I was trying to save, in my opinion, like from the beginning, like what I would think would be like the most obvious. I say that one for last, but yeah, there's a whole list of other things that we can mention for Chris Edwards, but he's just been that guy forever. And shout out to Chris Edwards because we probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So yeah, shout out to Chris sure. Edwards. Um, we have some honorable mentions, I guess, that we were talking about before that we're not going like, to yeah. get into, but just to mention some people, I know people in the chat have mentioned other people also, if you have some honorable mentions, mention them in the chat too right now. And we'll, we'll shout it out afterwards. Um, who are some of your honorable mentions, Billy? Well, a lot of these guys I think, uh, should be on the, in the hall of fame. We just, again, we just didn't have the time to get to everyone, but we got to go, uh, Tom Fry. You know, CJ Wellsmore for Australian guys. Out of all the people we named, we didn't name anybody for New York. And I think uh, Mike Johnson would be one of those people. Um, I thought you were going to do Mike Johnson. 
Yeah, I have him on my list, and I, I, I was going to get to him, but you know, again, like it's it's such a tough thing to do if it's limited. Yeah, yeah. Um, Julien Cadeau, I think, is probably one of the most iconic French skaters of all time. That's true. Um, it, he's up there, like uh, in terms of like what he was able to do, like even these past few years on street. But as a contest skater, he's always been formidable for such a long time. Brian Aragon. None of us mentioned Brian Aragon. Um, so that's interesting. I definitely think he has a place in the rollerblading hall of fame as well. Um, I have, I have a few more names, but I think I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. The people and, in, uh, in the chat want to recap. Oh, can you, can oh I'm go sorry. Your... And, and I got, I got to go, I got to go Carlos Pianowski too. Ooh. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. We're in all parts of the world. People in the chat want uh, a recap. Can you just go over quickly the names that you had that we spoke about already? Oh, well, the names that, okay. Well, I crossed them all out as I went, but I, I we got um, Montre Livingston, Julian Ba, Sean Kelso, Colin Kelso, Chris Farmer, Alex Braskow, Chris Haffey, Brian Shima, Aaron Feinberg, uh, Soichiro Kanashima, Dustin Latimer, um, and then the other honorable mentions were Tom Fry, CJ Wellsmore, Mike Johnson, Julian Cadeau, uh, Brian Aragon. I said Chris Farmer, right? Chris Farmer. Yeah. Uh, and um, Carlos Pianowski. All right. And as my cat is in my way, um, my, my picks that uh, we talked about today, probably some of the same that Billy said too, John Julio, Chris Haffey, the Kelso brothers, Dustin Latimer, Randy Spicer, Aaron Feinberg, Joey McGarry, Todd McInerney, Chris Edwards, Fabiola Da Silva, Takeshi Yasutoko, Dave Payne, and my honorable mentions, um, Farmer, we spoke about him, Aragon, you mentioned him already. Um, I also had Brian Bell, and Angie Walton was one of the co-creators of uh, That's good. Daily Bread magazine, which was also like our Bible back in the day growing up. Um, and Brian Bell, just because he... I feel like he was one of the first, like how we talk about Farmer was like a hammer person of his yeah. time. I feel like Brian Bell did that in the nineties when hammers wasn't even a thing yet. And that wasn't even going to be a thing for like 10 more years or whatever. Right. So, he was like one of the first best. Yes. Like one of the earliest best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe so too. Rest in peace, Brian Bell. But yeah, those are our picks. Let us know what you guys think about them. If you have any others, shout them out. Oh, we got to, we got to shout out Rob Guerrero. Rob Guerrero should be on that list as well. hundred percent. How could he not be? Hundred percent. Like this video if you think that Rob G should be in the role of any Hall of Fame as well. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. No, he definitely should be. Um, yeah. There's so many. Maybe maybe we'll do an episode two about this. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things we could continue going on, you know, forever. This list could have been uh, fifty people easily just yeah. in the first take. So um, we hope you'll enjoy that. Is there anything else, Billy, that you want to say before we sign off here? No, I think that's good. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of people we could name. There's a lot of people that it could go on and on, but I think that's a good base. I think uh, you, you covered a, like a lot of that back end area with people who should be in the hall of fame, who aren't necessarily like goaded skaters, but just contributors as well uh, with like Dave Payne and, you know, Angie and, and stuff like that. And uh, mushroom blading guys, even though mushroom blading guys are goaded, but uh, yeah. So yeah, that was cool. What are the, like, do you think rollerblading will ever get a Hall of Fame? Is that, like, ever, like, how would that even happen? Do other sports have Hall of Fames like that, aside from, like, you know, football, baseball and stuff? I'm curious if, if other sports have that. 
I, I don't know. I don't know enough about skateboarding, but I would imagine that they might have something like that. Or if they don't, then they will soon enough. But yeah. it's kind of like, I feel like a lot of this stuff is going online nowadays. So maybe this could be the beginning to a Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know? that'd be interesting to see. Um, let us know in the chat if you want to see something like that. But thank you all for watching. If you haven't already, subscribe to the channel if you want to see more like this. Drop us a comment, like the video, and we'll see you all in the next one. Later.